Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't have a massive amount to say about this book, mainly because, you know, it is quite short. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, very short little book, only about 180 pages, and they're, they're small pages as well. Um, I, I read it in a, in a day and a half, something like that. Right. Very short, um, it's 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 it, you know it's a very short novella. I love the striking cover art though, um, with the with the sailor you know in the, in the water oh, with the, with a with a seagull in his, his it's, hands. It's generally out. one of my favorite uh, book covers ever invented. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can we can you can show see a picture, uh, guys. Um, There's later. pictures of it on our Instagram already in preview. So exactly, but um, oh, by the way, it's called the story of a shipwrecked sailor, which is maybe yes in English. Okay, so I was confused about that. But I don't know for a Okay, I, I read it in, in Spanish anyway. I picked yeah. it up in Madrid, um, and you know, the, the the waiter in this one restaurant was excited that I'd bought Spanish books, mm. but then not excited that I'd bought Latin American books. And I suppose that'd be like going to Oxford and saying that you'd bought English literature, but then bringing out American stuff. I can I can I can get why he's annoyed, <laughs> you know. Okay, <laughs> but what happens in this one? Look, I was also disappointed at the beginning to find that it was. It was nonfiction. I thought I'd bought a mm. novel, and then I realized afterwards that I, I hadn't. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed it anyway, so that that became irrelevant. Yeah. You know, I generally don't go for nonfiction, but you don't even notice because it's told like no, a story. Totally, so totally, it's fine, yeah, totally. You know? So the chap, you know, the chap becomes shipwrecked, and essentially, we just, you know, it's a ten-day ordeal he has trying to survive on this raft. Mm. And you know he just tells us about uh, about the, the the birds that come, the sharks that come, and he, you know he's trying to keep himself safe. He doesn't really have anything to eat or drink. He thinks he's going crazy at, at parts, and he's hallucinating things. Um, mm. It's just it's just a good story. I mean, you've read this one, you love this one. So do you, do you have anything to say about it? Well, not just have I read. I think I've read it about six or seven times. This book. Wow. This is this is. Uh, I read it when I was just before I became 18 and I was getting really into a Latin American literature. which was just taught in my school and I'd read a lot of Spanish because I went to Spanish school. I read a lot of Spanish novels, loved it, but it became a bit, I just, I just read too many and I thought Latin American books and yeah, you know, I'm afraid me that way would have a lot to talk about. I, I, I would, <laughs> I would take a Latin American novel anytime instead of a Spanish novel. Sorry. Do you love wow. Spanish mainland literature, but the novelists for me are the ones in Latin America in general. And A Hundred Years of Solitude is one of my favorite novels of all time books. But this one, even though it's a lot less well known, is almost on the same level for me. Because wow. this is the ultimate uh, Robinson Nade's book. For me, it's even yeah. more, it's even more uh, kind of effect than Robinson Crusoe, because it's truly being 10 days. And a castaway raft, and he's he's hungry. He's seeing things. He's it's very introspective. It's just about what's going on in his in his heart because it doesn't talk too much about what what he's thinking. And I just I just feel like every time I read that book, it's like read it. I can I can taste the salt. I'm really on that raft with him for ten days. It's, it's always the 
it's held he's always let's always talk about the sharks and they has to keep away mm-hmm. from them and yeah and i just love but he that, does uh, he does catch one or, or he tries to eat one or something at one point ex- doesn't he? exactly yes and it's not so much of a of a wow the story is amazing but it's just it's just the, the realism and that that particular atmosphere like the man in the sea i love that book too i love all these books that are set in mm. in, in seas so for me it's a, that great atmosphere and the spanish I mean, it came out in 1970, I think, after he became famous. It was 100 Years Solitude. But this was written for a newspaper in 1955. And Gabriel Garcia Marquez was around 27, 28 when that came out. So imagine writing that 27, 28. And I think he was, he was, ba- was banned as well. And he had to leave anyway. He had to leave to Paris. You know, no one... Oh. It was a big controversy in Colombia. Mm. Because this this guy was actually... The problem is, this is based on a true story. And if you read the book, it's really criticizing the government. So this was not a pro-Colombian mm. book. It was a very right. anti-government book. So uh, And I understand that he gave the rights um, to the actual guy that the story was based on. Exactly, yeah. And he actually says, like, actually says that, well, this is not my story. I'm just helping him put it into words. And yeah. I'm wondering, yeah, but how true is that? Are you just being, I feel like he's being modest. <laughs> it's just too, it's just too good. If he did that, then he's an excellent, he's an excellent sort of co-mediator as well as an author, which it could be, it could be just, it could be literally mm-hmm. taking those words and then making Because it, it, it does read like a novel. Like it doesn't read like a, you know, a boring factual account, you know. It's totally. uh, it's an enjoyable one. Totally, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, I highly recommend it. And if you can read in Spanish, guys, the prose is simple and sweet. Like it's Oban easy to read. Yeah. Like Oban the Sea. I, I love that kind of literature. Short and easy. It's a, it's easy to read. I didn't you know I didn't really struggle with the language at all. Totally. Yeah. Would, would did you feel like the? Because honestly, I've read that book and I just I, I remember a few times just reading it straight afterwards. Even though the story might not be spectacular, do you feel like it there could be a book that you just reads out of relaxation? Because for me it's like it's one of those novels I just feel like, oh, I just want to read to relax. Yeah, yeah, it was relaxing. I mean, I, I read it on the day that I was traveling to Madrid. I, I, I really did it, you know, mostly in one day. Which is strange um, because the topic isn't relaxing. You know what I mean? But it, it, that's what I find so fascinating. It's not relaxing being cast away, but yet it feels very relaxing to read it. Yeah. <laughs> so and that that brings us pj to this month's sponsor if you ever find yourself trapped in the ocean just uh take out your mobile device and go to <laughs> raftrescueservices.gov and we'll send that raft for you well, well so yeah if you're ever stuck that's all you need get the uh get the raft and yeah. pj our second sponsor this month i i figured out why the kids aren't reading they actually they like something else called the sports Sports. So this month, we're also sponsored by Sports. It's the big fight. Sports. It's uh, Jim Bob McGrimbob versus Person McPerson McPerson in the big fight.gov. So All those right. are the, the things that the kids like. And um, we're doing a crossover there with them. So check it out. Guys. That's this month's, uh, this month's sponsorships. Um, check it out. We have one, we have one more book, um, which is the, that you've also read. It's... Mm. Um, Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. Hard Boiled Wonderland. Tosekai Noari. Yes. <laughs> now, this one, this one is. I didn't think I was going to like it, to be honest. 
Um, because I wasn't a massive fan of Kafka on the shore. I think it got uh-huh. a bit silly with the with the colonel and everything. And I started this, and immediately the first few pages, I thought, "Oh no, we we lack some <laughs> world building." I thought there's there's not been enough world building, and already it's giving me you know technical terms about these creatures and these people <laughs> and their jobs and their things and a lot of scientific terms mm. and i don't know what's going on now yeah you find out pretty quickly what's going on mm-hmm. but just in the beginning i thought like there's a lot of terminology i'm not familiar with i feel like i've been dropped into a world i don't know i would have liked a bit more world building first or or something and i felt a little bit like i'm not gonna like this um but i was completely wrong i absolutely loved it and again I oh, really it- I loved it, yeah. Oh, really? Because I remember you. You, I remember you writing at some point saying, "I'm not, not sure about this." I said, nah, "Yeah, come that was on. that was in the beginning." And I read it over three days. After the first day, I thought, you know, I'm not sure if I like it, but I still can't put it down. And then after the second day, I thought, "No, I really, really want to finish this." You know, on the third day, then I raced to I, the end. Uh, so. I, again, I I love Harpoid Wonderland, and it would have to be. I think I've read almost every every Murakami book. Uh, in English, at least, or maybe not the most recent ones, but I've read um, a lot of them and even bits of it in Japanese. It, it's 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 absolutely, I, I love this book. It's the first book I read, and still for me, it holds a very uh, dear spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. I I love the map. No, I'll be honest with you, I just I love maps anyway. I love uh, maps in, <laughs> in, in in all kinds of books, but I just love this particular map. I'm not sure if your edition has one, but most editions have this. Um, a map of the end of the world because do, what do you want to tell the plot basically or um yeah sure so 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 essentially and you you've actually read it more times than i have so you probably yeah. know even though i've read it more recently you probably know it better than i do but hmm. um we essentially have two sep- what seems like two separate stories yeah and we have hard boiled uh, wonderland and we have the end of the world so one so is hard-boiled- in- one is a noir story and the other one is a fantasy story basically yeah so the end of the world is kind of this this um, world where they're in this little town. He's separated from his shadow. There's a gatekeeper who won't, you know, now and again, he lets him see his shadow, but he's essentially stuck in this walled town. Yeah. It's a kind of, it reminded me a little bit of some of the scenes that happen. Actually, I can see, I can see an inspiration from Murakami with your own writing. Totally. Uh, yeah, um, it was very inspired yeah, by that. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few, there's a few things. Right, but, particularly at the um, end of the world part. So yeah, because basically he has to, it's just a kind of a, a man with a shadow and he, he, for some reason, he needs to enter this, this fortress town, but he can, he has to leave a shadow beside and kind of an apple orchard. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, and, but he has to enter and without a shadow. leave again. Yeah, he can't leave again because he, you know. But interestingly, no characters are named. It's just, you know, the guy, the librarian, the gatekeeper, mm. the, the chubby girl. No, no one's named in this book. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the end of the world chapters are shorter, typically. Um, but he really just he wants to, you know, help his shadow get back together. He wants to find a way out. But meanwhile, he's got to read dreams in the library with the librarian. Mm. Um, and he can't go into the woods because that's dangerous. Um, and, and that's a nice little contained piece. But then we have the main story, which is this chap who's um, essentially some kind of data processor, like... They'll get him to process data using his own body, like a kind of computer, and he'll shuffle yeah. the data and, you know, protect it so that other people can't can't access it, essentially. Um, but, you know, he was to work for this old man, this old professor, and they go into an underground lab that's like 
through the waters and everything, but there's these creatures called inklings that are trying to, to get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're using like something kind of sonar pulses or something to keep them away. But um, they go in, you know, to this, this kind of bunker um, but then the old man disappears and whatever. And then there's a, there's some weird scenes though. And it happens in, in both, both stories mm-hmm. where people just offer to sleep with them very willy nilly. That's a very work. Yeah. The chubby girl is like, well, she's 17 as well. It's like, well, how's, you know, how's things, you know, would you like to take me to your bed, sir? You know, it's just, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> it's just a little bit strange. Uh, Mark Hamill has been deeply criticized for that, especially in the last few years with the rise of mm. feminism in Japanese literature. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember like there's an interview um, <laughs> with a few female, because it's become very popular, actually, a lot of female literature. They're purposely kind of marketing that in Japan. Now, right. It used to be very male-centered. And there was like an interview saying, like all these female authors saying, Mark we really like your stuff, but your portrayal of woman. He needs some work on that, man. And he actually, he actually yeah. took it on well. He actually said, "Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that into consideration." Okay, good. Yeah. Because I, I didn't think you know some of the women characters <laughs> are good, like the librarian, you know, and things like that are good. And the, the chubby girl is quite; she's not independent as such. She relies yeah. on her granddad, but but she's a strong character in some ways. Um, yeah. Uh, but then there's just, you know, the librarian wants to sleep with him. She wants to sleep with him in the dream world. The other librarian wants to sleep with him. And they all always ask in a really strange and unnatural way. It's like, were you planning on inviting anyone to your bed tonight? Because I'm definitely available if if you were thinking about that. You know, <laughs> it's just a really weird thing. Um, but, you know, apart from that, um, I, I really, really loved it. And of course, I'm not going to spoil what happens, why are there two different worlds. Yeah, obviously, there's some kind of link for it. There's some there's kind of reason for it. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's brilliant. It. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really, really glad I read it. And uh, yeah, I, I particularly, uh, yeah, I'm very smart, particularly by the end of the world part. The end of the world part, actually, this was released in 1984. And around 1980, he um, finished a, a novella, which is basically the end of the world segment. And he didn't publish it. He was deeply unhappy. He thought it was garbage, basically. But wow. eventually it turned into this two-part novel. So it did actually start. It's kind of interesting. So it kind of, he kind of found a way to mix them two together. But it did start as, okay, I've got this end of the world uh, part was a shadow. That's kind of the premise. You just thought, okay, shadow and a man. Uh, he's hmm. a separate for some reason. Fortress town is... And then eventually... It came out, I think, even as I'm not, I think it came out like a protocopy, but it's never uh, I published. I think it's a very rare book. Love to get nice. my hands on that one. And if anyone's if anyone's want to give me a Christmas gift, guys, please find me that copy of the original End of the World, just that part novella. And he turned to novel, which is which is which is great. And I find that both of them mix very well together. Um, and the map is, is, is such a delight because uh, you keep looking back in the map and imagining where it is and yeah I think I think it's absolutely great and there's love it's a very much a postmodern book he's a very much a postmodern author in the sense of these postmodern authors are very influenced they take they're very influenced by all kinds of literature and take what they want a bit like a clergyman's daughter to be honest that sounds mm. like a more of a postmodern, postmodern book um, but this one is particularly deep in science fiction, war, and fantasy. And you know, it's a detective at the beginning. It's kind of it's, it's a bit Philip K. Dick and Dick, not Dickens, but Philip K. Dick Enzian. <laughs> and no, I, I love it. I think it's great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I like Kafka on the shore, but I I've, I can 
it's it's different this one here this one is really getting um even more surreal did you like norwegian wood i didn't uh, norwegian wood i don't think i've read because it's his most popular book but this is this was written i think norwegian wood was the first novel excuse me written after this right. one but it's so different because it really he actually said to himself i want to write something different than i than i usually write kind of like george orwood did clergyman's daughter and it became yeah. fascinating enough his most popular book at a very controversial opinion everyone but it's 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 among my two least favorites murakami books wow. I, I hardly enjoyed it i gotta be honest sorry murakami but i love most of your books so it's interesting that people's opinions norwegian what is the big thing this was kind of forgotten in japan even though i think this wow. is such a beauty of a book just when you mentioned philip k dick i took a picture in madrid i meant to say it send it to you because uh, when i was in in the bookshop in madrid they had a whole <laughs> shelf of philip k dick really? and right beside him there is ursula k Le Guin. Yeah. Um, and some Ray Bradbury. You know what I find? The Spanish right. bookshops have a better selection of English books than any bookshop I've been in in Northern Ireland. And they they pay a lot more, don't they? They they pay. Oh, like yeah, they're really. You can't. Yeah, you, you need to remortgage your house to to, to take like it's, three books. It's, it's it's ridiculous, <laughs> but like it just shows you that they really appreciate they really appreciate though that they mm. would actually pay. And they them. have a lot of Dumas. They have a lot of Wilkie Collins. They have. Um, yeah. A lot, you know, they've all the, the you know the obvious classics, you know your yeah, Jane yeah. Austens and whatever. But they have a lot of Wilkie Collins that I'm struggling to find in Belfast. They have um, just again, there's more Ray Bradbury stuff there. There's a lot of stuff, and uh, it's it's sad that they've got a better selection there than than uh, here. <laughs> actually, yeah, it's absurd, right? Oh lord. Well, there's one. There's one last book I want to tell you about quickly. This is uh, a book called Do Over by uh, Juliet Rose. Um, yeah. This is a really, really good book, but it deals with some difficult themes and it can be a little bit sad in parts. Oh, okay. Um, so we have this girl, Sam, and she feels almost Orwellian. Like she, she feels disconnected with the world, disconnected with herself. She doesn't really kind of know who she, she'll look in the mirror and not really even know like who is this person. Like she's just completely disconnected from everything. And she's a friend, Miri. She sleeps with Miri's husband. They have a fight and she says, Do you know oh, what? Lord. Forget this. She packs a bag and just drives away. New life, that's it. Leaves a note for the landlord saying, I'm gone, and just goes to start a new life. And she goes to this nice little seaside resort, beach town, tourist summer place, you know. Mm. And um, she gets a job working in the diner, and she meets a chap called Smitty. Well, she's called Smith, but she just decides he's called Smitty. And another chap, Casey. <laughs> um, and she makes friends with them. But sometimes they're they're really fun, and sometimes they're a little bit off. Especially Casey can be quite moody. And she realizes mm. that there's actually a lot of really hardcore drug use uh, going on. Wow. Um, and there's drug dealing going on. And then there's deaths happening. Um, and it's in, in parts, it can be quite difficult to, to deal with. But it is a really nice story. And of course, we get a little love story thrown in there because I love a love story um, oh, with, yeah. with Sam and Smitty. Um, but yeah, it's one that keeps you going and you don't really know till the end, is it going to work out or is everything just going to go to pot? Because it's very, yeah. very on a balancing on a thin wedge, you know, most of the book. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a good one. Ah, and just a second. I yeah. think I hear the telephone ringing. BJ, right. I'm just going to go see who's on the line. And I'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Hey, you're through to Books Boys. Who's calling? Hey, this is Juliet Rose. Hey, Juliet, you got Dean on the line. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? 
I'm good. And it's such a, an interesting uh, coincidence that you called in right when we were talking about your book, Do-Over. Very nice. Which thank you so much for, for, um, for sending to me. I just finished it yesterday, actually. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. T- tell me, um, well, it's not actually officially out yet, is it? It is. It actually came out September 21st. Oh, so it is out now. Okay, that's cool. Um, so I'll put a link then in the show notes. And then if anyone wants to go buy it, then they'll, they'll be able to. Is this your first novel? More or less. You know, I, I wrote years ago. I actually was a pretty avid writer in my 20s and 30s and um, actually put out a novel back then that's no longer in print. I may eventually put it back out. Um, and then I took a 15-year hiatus from writing altogether. Wow. <laughs> and then this year I decided I just needed to get back on board. And so this is the first novel I've written in a very, very long time. Right. So what got you to go back to it? Like, what was the, the urge, you know? You know, life, like you start to say, okay, I don't live forever. I better jump mm. back on board. And, and that was, you know, I, I've always loved writing. I do art as well. And, you know, for 15 years, I had little children that I was raising and now they're, they're older now. So I don't have to focus as much attention on them. And so this was really kind of my time to, to bring that. Yeah. Back. So you've, you've got the time now to, to kind of do it. For sure. Brilliant. So, I mean, this it's such an interesting novel because obviously we do have a, a love story at the heart of it, which, you know, I'm, I'm a, a diehard romantic, so I always <sighs> like a good love story. Um, but there's some dark themes as well, you know, particularly with the, with the drug use and everything. Is that sort of, you know, something that, that you've always wanted to write about or, or what kind of brought that idea to you? You know, I, I think anything I write always has a dark element to it because that's life. That's, you know, mm. we, we may have a love story, but most of us deal with some form of trauma or, you know, struggles in our lifetime. And so I think it's more realistic to, to show that side of it as well. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a fair point. You know, it, it is more realistic and it's interesting because the whole, the whole time you are rooting for the love story, because obviously we have the bit in the beginning where we see her, her, pre-existing life with her friend Mary and that all falls apart and then with the with the main kind of story you're just thinking like please don't fall apart again like I really want this (laughs) one to work for her and I want her to to fall in love and I want them to live together you know with Smitty and I I want it all to kind of work out and you're just you're just hoping the whole time and you're you're almost waiting for it to collapse but you're thinking don't 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 (laughs) that's a lot of feedback I've gotten everybody said you know I really didn't know what was going to happen and that's that's what I wanted to write because honestly when I was writing it I didn't really know what was going to happen you know I think realistically it could have gone either way and it would have still made a really good story um and so I think that ultimately you know she had the come to herself to come to someone else. And that's, that's what the real lesson is, is that, you know, she couldn't really face connecting with anyone else if she didn't connect with herself first. Yeah. I think that's, that's something to take away from it. And it's very true. And, you know, it's a generally good advice for everyone. You know, you need to have yourself right before you can yeah. do something with someone else. You know, that's, yes. that's, that's unfortunately also part of life. Um, are you working on anything else at the moment? I am. I actually, I have a few things in the works. I'm one of these people that has a bazillion things going at one time. So I have a novel that I have finished and I'm going through the editing process now that's coming out in January um, and actually takes a character from the story. So Aiden, who I felt had way more of a place from Do Over, Mm -hmm. he has a story seven years later that I'm currently working on the editing. So um, and that's also got, you know, a dark kind of twist to it. It's, it's dealing with, you know, some 
controversial issues, especially in, in the U.S. with police brutality and church control and things like that. So that kind of goes even darker than, than this mm. one did. Um, and then I have a novel coming out with Adelaide in May um, that's called Trigger Point, and that deals with search and rescue. And specifically, one of the main characters is a deaf dog handler. And so it kind of gets into, you know, that relationship and, and communication through that. So. Okay, cool. So that's um, going to be a bit of a different vibe from Do Over then, I guess. It is. I, you know, I, I, it, I always want to take on something, I guess, like a social issue or an issue when I write. I don't always go as dark, although this, that one does also have kind of a little bit of a, a, a darkness to it as well, um, mm-hmm. that the main character has to face some, some trauma that she's going through, um, and not in search and rescue, but within her own life. Right, right. Okay. No, fair enough. Um, so th- th- this one's really good. So I'll just to give a little bit of plot for, for the for the guys listening. So we have uh, Samantha and she's again, we said like she's going through her own stuff. She kind of doesn't really identify with herself. So you, you mentioned in the in the in the, the book that she'll be looking in the mirror and not even really recognize that this is herself, you know, um, which is a really interesting you know perspective because you're really rooting for her initially to to, as we said, to get with herself before you even have the love story. Um, and what was the the decision with her first friend with with Mary that they they fall out with? You know, Mary hits her in the end, and I don't want to spoil kind of the story. <laughs> but um, was there were you were you sure that you didn't want Mary to ever kind of get back in touch, or is that something you you kind of decided at the last minute? Or you know, I, again, I, I think when I write, I kind of like let the characters tell me. So I didn't know. I didn't know if this was going to be a resolution. And ultimately, what I realized is is to stay within the vein of you know things don't always work out the way we want them to. And they don't always wrap up the way we want them to. And so in, in true relationships, people get to make those decisions. And so I did decide that, you know, she destroyed it. She had no way of really, she could reach out and do her part and own what she did, but that Miri had the same choice that she could decide whether or not she wanted to be back in Sam's life. And so I made that choice based on what I think would realistically happen. Yeah. Cause I think, I guess with writing, it might be too easy to tie everything up in a little ribbon, but you're right in real life, you know, Mary probably wouldn't have gotten back in touch. So it, it is right. more realistic. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like to leave the reader a little frustrated because I feel like that's, that's the truth of how I tell a story is that, you know, we want that happy ending. We want everything to be perfect. And sometimes there are things we have to sacrifice and maybe we have partially a happy ending, but maybe we also lose some things because of choices that we make. And so I like to let the reader feel a little conflicted. Yeah, yeah. And what what's the inspiration for the town? You know, so obviously, it's a sad little town, like people are coming there. And it's a, it's a lovely little holiday village. But for the people, you know, actually living there, it's kind of same old, same old day in day out. It's kind of depressing, you know, they don't have, you know, great jobs and all that kind of stuff. The kids are all on drugs. And it's it's really curious, because, you know, obviously, I've never lived somewhere like that. So I'm coming in with the happy little holiday village for the weekend. And it's really curious to see like, oh, this is what it's like for people stuck there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've moved around a lot. I, I've lost count of all the states and cities and towns I've lived in. And I've lived in some small towns. And the thing that I found frustrating living in small towns was that the youth really tend to be kind of ignored. Um, it's the focus. If it's a tourist town, the focus is on tourism. If it's a college town, the focus is on the college, but typically there's not as much for youth to really do anymore in these small towns. I've lived in small towns in Nebraska and New York, and uh, I lived on Tybee Island in Georgia, which is a small town. And that's very tourist based. I grew up 
uh, some of my years outside Wilmington, North Carolina, and it was small and Wrightsville Beach was really small at that time, which now it's a huge tourist area. And so mm-hmm. what you tend to see in those towns is you see that the locals are second thought. You know, they're not primary to the decisions made for that town. And so I really want to address that because I've, I've raised my own children in small towns and seen their struggles with that two yeah. words. You know, everything closes up at six o'clock, you know, and there's nothing for the youth to do. You know, the movie theaters have closed, the roller skating rinks have closed, everything closes that really allows them to have a life. And so they tend to find things to do. And quite often that's drinking or drugs or partying, you know. It's it's interesting because, you know, you're right in in that sense, you're almost a second class citizen in your own town. then like you're not thought of in in like important decisions it is just for the tourists who's who's bringing the money in exactly exactly yeah wow and it's it's something i never i never thought of before but it was it was hitting me a lot as i was reading it because you know there's times like that everywhere you know and it's kind of sad but i guess it's it's true so it's it's an important issue i think to to bring out that people maybe wouldn't have ever thought of you know for sure. It's it's definitely yeah. pervasive in small towns. And I think that unless you've lived in one, like people don't think about that. I currently live in a small town. And if you go into town on the weekends, it's very quaint and there's tourists everywhere. And there's, you know, lots of things to do for tourists. But, you know, when that all closes up, there's really nothing left. Yeah, I think that's that's true of a lot of places. I mean, there's, there's places even here in Northern Ireland that, you know, if it's not a sunny weekend then it's a ghost town you know right that's, <laughs> exactly that's, that's the way it is you know um tell me this then have you done a lot of reading yourself you know especially with the with the lockdown and things what have you been reading yourself you know lately I've actually been picking up a lot of dystopian kind of classics I really like Octavia Butler and I discovered her a couple of years ago I was listening to NPR and they were talking about her writing and I had never read her and so I mm. went and I got Kindred and I read it and I loved it and then I read Parable of the Sower and from there I've kind of picked up other ones I just finished Brave New World I'm in the middle of 1984 I'm kind of going back on things I feel like were required Ooh. in school but I didn't necessarily connect to and now I feel like as an adult I really connect to them more yeah I I'm actually at the minute I'm taking a, an evening class once a week on Orwell um, and okay. so I'm reading all of his his books um, I'm not reading 1984 because you know I've read it a couple of times anyway but I've, I've I've just reviewed like most of his other like lesser known novels um, and they're all really different but they have the same underlying Orwellian threads to them you know right so it's interesting that you read that I'm gonna have to ask you then Brave New World or 1984 like which one do you find the most powerful so they're just such different styles of writing. And that's where I was talking. My son really wanted me to read 1984 because he read it and he's like, you've got to read this. And so I, I started reading it and I had read Brave New World. And the style is so different because Brave New World is like, it's a quicker pace. It's a lighter almost kind of, you know, idea of dystopian where Orwell so dense. And it's so like, you really have to pay attention to the minute nuances that he puts in there. Yeah. Um, I find his much darker than I found Brave New World. You know, Brave New World I found to be interesting. And certainly the end was very sad. <laughs> I wasn't wanting that end. I wanted something different to happen. Where with 1984, I feel like when I'm reading it, I feel much more of a heaviness from that. Yeah, I, I recommend 1984 to someone, I think at least once a week. Uh, and the more I see, you know, with like technology and surveillance and everything, and people are saying, oh, this is great. And I'm like, have you read 1984, though? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually, you know, you're reading, and you're like, oh, this is what's happening. <laughs> you know, why yeah. are we not paying attention? Um, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great book. And it's one that I feel like everybody should read. Um, but you, it's not a, it's not a happy tale. 
for sure. <laughs> no, it's not. I always say, I think, you know, younger age in school, everyone should read Animal Farm. And then maybe a few years later, you know, when you're able to deal with the themes a little bit more than read 984. Um, I hope we haven't given away the answer to the next question, but I always close every interview um, with the same question. And I don't give people prep time because that makes it too easy. So the question is essentially, if there was one existing book that you wish you had written out of anything that's ever been written, what would it have been? Oh, you know, honestly, I go back to Octavia Butler. I really love yeah. Parable of the Sower, which also it kind of falls into that, you know, dystopian world. And when you're reading it, it so correlates to our current world. Um, I, I have such admiration for her and what she she put in her book. So I would say that's probably, that's the one I think. <laughs> nice. I, I haven't actually read that yet. Is it one I'm going to have to go and pick I, up? I would say so. If you really like those kind of dystopian type stories, I mean, and she does it in a really like, fluid way it flows easily but like you're reading it and you're thinking how did she write this so long ago when it's so pertinent to today yeah I think that's that's the sign of a classic right it's a sign of a great book that you could read it you know I I read like ancient Greek literature sometimes and even the plays and things and sure like the details of the society is is different but when, when there's certain themes that still exist today that's how you know someone's written something good for sure it's like they're seeing into the future it's amazing yeah i love it great (laughs) awesome well do you want to plug your site or social media or anything like that you know honestly if anybody goes to my website which is authorjulietterose.com i have all my links to my social media to my books and uh, upcoming events there so that would be the cool first place to start i'll put a i'll put a link anyway in the in the show notes um and they can hopefully pick up a copy of of do over um thank you very much for calling in have yourself a nice day Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Do over there. That was oh, conveniently timed. We must great. be masters of timing, PJ. Masters. It's, it's, it's amazing how the universe just delivers exactly what we need. Like ten times in a row. Did oh. you know something? We're we're being sued actually because we call the show Books Boys, but last month we just did episode thirteen, and oh. apparently we've contravened the Trades Descriptions Act. It should now be Books Adolescents, oh, and now that we've hit yeah. thirteen, we're we're Indeed. Books Teens. Pure, pure, so, entering puberty. Entering literary yeah, we we have to we have to upgrade to books teams. Um, books teams. But yeah, a, lot, a lot of remarketing, and uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't. I'm not sure. Like we, do we, we might just keep on breaking the law. You know? I didn't. Do we? Maybe you should be Peter Pan. I'll be Pippi Longstocking. You know what I mean? Keep keep that kind of inner child intact. You know what I mean? Yeah, because then what? In another half a year, we're book adults, books men. It's a lot of rebranding. You know, it's yeah, book much, old man, book, work, book book dead man. Yeah. Yeah, book, book abuelos. I don't know. It's too much. <laughs> book abuelos. <laughs> <laughs> well, PG, um, we're going to wrap up, I guess, with our recommendations for this month. Um, I'm going to recommend one that you recommended to me many years ago that changed my life. Really? Um, so. I'm going to recommend one that I also recently lent to uh, our mutual friend in exchange for the Murakami book. It and sounds that... like a character of Dickens, our mutual friend, but we're going to keep him. Yeah, I'm doing moments. that deliberately. Hey, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I lent him uh, an Agatha Christie book, and then there were none. Uh, yeah, yeah. Many years ago, you lent that to me, and mm. I have now filled my shelf with about 70 Agatha Christie novels. Um, I'm not going to go into any great depth on it, but if you've ever watched a murder <laughs> mystery show, I, look, I've seen episodes of Family Guy that ripped this off. Like, it's everywhere. It's in movies. Anytime you watch a show where a bunch of people go to a house or an island, mm. one by one, they die, it's ripping off this book, basically. This mm. is the... It's, I think it's in the top 10 best-selling books of all time. It is mm. the quintessential whodunit, locked room, murder mystery type scenario. And they, they die one by one and you've got to figure out, you know, whodunit. And I've read it twice and both times mm. I've, it's, it's surprised me. 
um, it's a good, I, I lent it to our friend because it's a really good way to start. <laughs> you know, if you're, friend. if you're, if you're not sure about, uh, would I like, you know, I go to Christie or not, then, mm-hmm. you know, this is the one to start on and mm-hmm. I, I can guarantee you'll like it. You know, so. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I read it myself. It is one of the best I got the Christie books and uh, very unusual. So give it a go. And if you're if you're fascinated in the slasher genre, well, what can I say? This started basically. So um, give it a try. Uh, what I recommend is going on uh, going on Japanese. I have to recommend one of the many, many, many Japanese books I love, and I have to recommend a, a classic Japanese book. In fact, it's considered the Dickens of Japan, and there's none other Ooh. than Natsume Soski. Also, uh, you can say Natsume Soseki. Um, and basically, this guy is someone who studied in England, a very bookish chap at the turn of the 19th to 20th century. And he wrote this book called Bochan, also known as Our Darling, and it just started this kind of modern novel trend in Japan, and very Dickensian, and it's very Balzac-esque, and um, even Galdosian. It's very, you know, it's very kind of much that light realism from the 1830s, but it's obviously a bit late in Japan in the mm. 1900s and 19 teens. So I have to recommend two books, please. Bochan for the classic kind of lighthearted um, guy. Um, he's a teacher from Tokyo and he's going off to Matsuyama and bathing a kind of resort. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely, it's absolutely it's so funny. It's 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 really actually that's actually really hilarious. Actually, it, I rarely oh. laughed out so loud, and it even in translation, it's still great, and it's just lovely. And I've got to recommend one that actually Haruka Murakami recommends in the book okay. Kafka on the Shore, where the character reads Natsume Sasuke. If you remember in the library, mm. and he recommends one called The Minor, which is very unpopular. And most people in Japan actually dislike this book because it's very different to his other stuff. Essentially, this is the most existential, like one of the most existential novels you can ever get, particularly the first half, just about a boy who left, I think, Tokyo as well because he got someone pregnant. And kind of him in the forest, walking around and just um, not knowing where he was going, what he did. And there's a sense of loss, but also freedom. And he kind of becomes a minor. Uh, it's it's gritty and it's 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 introspective, not funny, completely different. Watch, and that's what I love about Suski. He's kind of manic. He's like you don't know who exactly he is, and he's and he had a strange sort of personality. Give it a try okay. for fun. Give it a try for for darkness. He's everything, yeah. Suski. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I should mention because we we did mention Dickens. I went to the Grand Opera House to see a oh. musical of A Christmas Carol, and I was very, very happy. Um, so I just sort of, I did cry at the end <laughs> when Scrooge right. gives him the turkey. I cried because it was very heartwarming and very touching. Um, but oh, that's nice. um, yeah, and, and next month for Christmas, you know, PJ, I'm going to give a spoiler here. I thought, what would I, what will the kids really love next me to read next month for Christmas? Um, <laughs> so there's definitely going to be some Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to spoil anything else, um, but there's going to be some more Spanish stuff. But definitely, I thought that Aristotle is a good one for the kids. For, it's for it's Christmas very Christmassy, stuff. you know. You want to get uh, <laughs> that ethics, you know, banged into them. That's so, it. Um, 
Well, guys, don't forget booksboys.com. Uh, definitely tell your friends because that's really good to get more people <laughs> to listen. And patreon.com slash booksboys. That's where you can get you get this show early without some ads and also with all the extra stuff. It's um, a lot of then, extras. It's piling up. I mean, I don't know where to put there's, all this stuff. There's, there's just... so much. My, my, my shelves, my, my theoretical virtual shelves are full. Right, right, of extra just, stuff. We have to get to a clearing, guys. So do it. <laughs> And of course, we've got you know links on there to Instagram and everything else. And of course, hello to everyone listening on Radio Oxen, and we're happy to be on there. PJ, have you got anything else to add, or is that us? We just, I just want to add, um, you know, I just want to say hello to our mutual friends if he's, he's listening, and just hello, like, sir. hello, sir. Thank you very much for being part of our lives. I'm delighted that you. And we're gonna have him do some stuff with us very soon. Well, oh, you've already de- you've already said the gender. Okay, well, well, oh indeed. no. Ah! Well, the mutual friends will, the whole be, will be more involved, <laughs> shall we say. And it's a, it's an unusual, more Camian kind of character. More Camian, mm-hmm. Dickensian, and all, everything put together. That's it. And guys, go go listen. I've had a lot of fun doing the Dark Place Dreamers. So go and listen to that because it's been, it's been crazy. Um, <laughs> and if you want to contact us or you want to send in an audio clip or anything like that, um, like happens, you know, usually on the show, that's uh, booksboys at hotmail.com you know give us a recommendation say feel hello free. feel free to give us any books your books or books that you like as well for us to recommend sure. uh, and for us to review and to read we'll be delighted that's it and pj i thought we'd close this this month with do you remember the song one night's loving that we did about six years ago yes but i can't remember the melody now i have to play ah, it this song features um some good guitar playing by yourself a really nice solo and much. some less good vocals by myself <laughs> um but you know look ah, we'll see i wanted to i wanted to play my new song but i i didn't want to risk it because sometimes when i make a new song i think it's great and then i'll listen you know a month later <laughs> and i think oh my god this is garbage so i i didn't want it's too soon uh, so it's I thought, why don't we okay. play One Night's, One Night's Loving? Um, so if the DJ would spin that record, and yeah. then after that, you'll have our closing credits. And we'll be back in about a month. Christmas!
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, The Big Fight and Raft Rescue. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth Fan the Boys shows and you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! It was quite a quite a good show, PJ. I didn't do Middlemarch in the end, but maybe next time for this I'm already working on Elizabeth Allende, and goodness me, Aristotle for Christmas. I mean, Come on, what's better than that? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.